There's titties galore today on Matt Men Podcast. I'm getting them from everywhere. Is it my birthday? Hello again, everybody. Welcome back to the show. It's crazy as always. Welcome back to that lady from Harold and Maude's favorite podcast. I am Matt. <laughs> That is Matt. She's probably dead. She may not have made it to podcast. I don't know that for sure. But if she was alive today, she would be one of our 15 listeners. How are you doing today, sir? Uh, I'm getting some great feedback on the movie, so uh, I'm doing very well. What movie would that be, sir? Blue Moon. Blue yes, Moon. I've My heard movie. about this. Tell us a little bit about You've it. You've seen the movie. I may or may not have seen this. That is speculation at this point. Uh, well, the 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 metrics say you did, because I can see where people you know logged off during the movie, which is kind of funny. Um, oh, but... have you gotten that obsessive? I'm I'm scared of that kind of stuff. That may be too meta information. For no, me. no, no. It's no. It, it's it's neat because there are only two parts of the movie that seem like people start to kind of nod off a bit. Everything else, I have a higher than normal retention. So, oh, nice. yeah, yeah. Like, I'm really, especially for a little sad boy movie, mm-hmm. you know. For sure, for sure. I made it through and uh, with one pause. I believe I had to have a pee pause in between there because I'm an old man, but otherwise I made it straight through. It was a wonderful Where? Film. Well, thank you. Uh, where? Shit, I, first of all, I've done so many drugs since then. I, where? I can't <laughs> drugs are great because that's one of the things that we'll be talking about today. We'll do uh, stoner movies and why they are going way. We're talking 1980s Oscars and we're probably talking Netflix because that's what we always do, but to start off the show which what we've been doing recently because i'm very excited that it's back you have something to say go for it yeah you said we're probably gonna talk about netflix there's something that you didn't have on the the breakdown that i just saw yes where they said that this coming year they're allocating like some ridiculous amount like something like 55 million dollars or something just for um uh international content right i mean that's a good move and there are I'm, more I'm, people out there than us, my friend. More people that can listen to things and watch things. Yeah, I and, do. Oh, go ahead. And, and my thing is, um, is there anyone else out there doing that? Like we we kind of rag on Netflix a little bit, but let's not forget they're also the people that like gave us like Roma. Well, what's Amazon doing? I mean, they're giving money. I'm not saying they're giving us any great contents. So I still haven't got through that. They're, Netflix, they're paying a billion uh, dollars for their net for their. Uh, uh, Lord of the Rings show, mm-hmm. a billion dollars, that which is, is funny because like the first three movies cost like three hundred million, <laughs> right? Exactly, which is still a very large amount. But uh, you know, I think nah, maybe... not not for movies of that. No, size. no, no. I guess yeah. like compared to I'm just talking in general, that's still a lot. Of yeah, yeah, yeah. Not for a giant corporation. Um. Uh, anyways, let's start off at the top, which we have been doing recently because it is back, and I'm happy this back. The box office has been taken over by Tom Holland, Uncharted is number one at the box office this weekend. No more Spider-Man, no more Jackass. We have Uncharted at the top now, but more importantly, the train has begun. It has left the station. We will get the Batman soon. Yeah. Almost imminently. They're saying that that's looking for like a 135 opening. That's not a bad opening. (laughs) Are you kidding? Well, what's funny is that um, Tom Holland is having a year that most... Uh, actors never see that is like like maybe um 
I mean, you're Tom Cruise territory, really. No, I don't think Tom Cruise had two like this in one year. Uh, this well, is I'll more, do my IMDb research while you tell me. Th- th- this is, I think, more like um, uh, Jim Carrey in 1994. Mm-hmm. Okay. Where you had The Mask and, uh, uh, what was it, Ace Ventura in the same year. Like, like you, you don't get two movies like this in one year usually. Or maybe uh, uh, Chris Pratt in 2015 where he had guardians of the galaxy and then um, Jurassic world. Like I, and that, that was like his kind of coming out year. Well, okay. So I can already, I'm, I get to throw this in your face. I'm very excited about this 1999 for Tom Cruise, just a small movie called eyes wide shut. And then it maybe, didn't do anything. and then maybe uh, I was talking about, but wait, Oh, you're just going Not for box numbers. office. You're just because well, you said box office. Well, you got me distracted with something else. No, 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 no. no you know, you're too high. Well, I told you, you <laughs> let me get too high before the show, and now I can't piece anything together. How about <laughs> no? We'll figure it out later. Yes, I do hear you, Tom Holland. I know. I mean, at the yeah. end of the day, he's this is pretty impressive. I mean, like you said, most people don't get to do this, uh, even the A-list stars. And I like him. I enjoy, I enjoy his work. I don't watch his movies, but uh, him as a person seems to be all right. Do you think this means he's crossed over to rock territory, where he's one of the couple of people who actually can bring in a movie? I no, no, I don't think so because I just don't. You think hear... Uncharted is more the franchise from people liking the game? Yeah, and the adventure of the thing. Yes, yes, yes. I, I that's what I think. No disrespect to Tom Holland, but I still don't think people are, are going yet to to the movies to say, "Hey, give me a ticket for the Tom Holland movie." I just don't think that's happening yet. Do you think they will after this? Could be. I mean, yes, yes, definitely. Because right now it seems like you know. It's funny because The Rock even has trouble a lot of times bringing people in, you know? Yeah. Um, but Tom Holland is kind of not missing right now. Nope. And that is pretty impressive. Somebody else that doesn't miss, Mr. Steven Spielberg is making a Steve McQueen oh, yeah. movie. Maybe. Uh, maybe. 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 More importantly, though, there was a dust up on Twitter this week that I completely missed and I wanted to stay away from the fray oh, because man. I knew you would tell me about it on the show. So talk to me what happened about Steven Spielberg this week on Twitter. Well, when the bullet thing came out and it wasn't even a remake of bullet, it's just another movie with that character. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's not like they're saying, you know, the classic Steve McQueen one can go burn, you know, right. no, this would be a different thing. And some people were getting up in arms because they said, he can't direct action. Uh, and, th- and then people started posting, you know, gifts from West Side Stories saying, look, the guy can actually direct. And I'm just sitting there thinking, wait a second. Have they not seen Duel? Duel is a movie that was made for TV that was so good. It got a theatrical release. And he did that when he was 25. And that is nothing but action. And in case everyone's forgotten about it, um, uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark is like the greatest action movie ever made. Like literally the greatest one maybe ever. Yes. Right. No, like until Mad Max, like that was my number one. Mad Max Fury Road for me is dethroned it because Mad Max Fury Road is just like 120 miles an hour the whole time. Mm. But how can you look at this guy's career and say he can't direct action? Like it's, it's surprising. And it's like, wait, have, has, and then people are like, Hey, this guy can direct. It's like, have you not been paying attention for the last 50 years? Yeah. He's the goat. He is the goat. 
I mean, I, I and I'm even not his bad stuff is you about that. His bad stuff is better than most people's good stuff. And let's not forget, he'll have like a seven movie run where he's just like, you know, knocking him out of the park. And then he'll have one that's like a first base hit. Right. Mm-hmm. And like, it seems like a failure compared to everything else. And that's just the stuff he directs. If you want to count the stuff he produced, then guess what? He created all of our culture in the 1980s. Like it is just him. It's like him and Lucas holding hands and skipping along and saying, we're making your childhood. We're making Mm -hmm. your childhood. And it's, it's unbelievable to me that there was ever any kind of question about him. And like, and like I posted on Twitter that actually got a little bit of, a little bit of traction. It was, you know, when I started college, it was super popular to hate on his movies and like to say he was a hack. And I remember my first week in my, my second week in college, um, our local paper, or our, our campus paper, there was an underground like film uh, magazine. Mm-hmm. What was and it called? I, I can't remember. Oh, for life of me, I can't remember. Because um, you would just find them around campus, you know, and they weren't, you know, it, it wasn't like every month, you know, it was just when it happened. At least that's how often I saw them. But there was an article talking about how Saving Private Ryan, which at the time was his most recent movie, how Saving Private Ryan was like the most overrated movie of all time. And that is utter nonsense. It's literally his best film. And that movie starts with 20 minutes of the most amazing, not just the most amazing action, but the action in that movie literally changed how movies were shot for the next 15 years. Uh, video games i mean with metal yeah i've started with that i mean it, right know, that's how important that it i was. got medal of honor frontline because it was basically play this as a game yeah yeah it no no it, it's unbelievable to me that that his credentials of anybody's would ever be in question yeah like i don't i don't get it ah man that, that's crazy uh, i don't know if people are just too young or what but yeah, sometimes when you miss out, when it's not in your zeitgeist, it's you know you gotta f- find that. Uh, I want I want you to give uh, real quick a shout out to one of the smaller Steven Spielberg movies that people should watch because I'm gonna give them Bridge of Spies. I think people just Dude, completely Bridge of Spies just is... blew past that movie and it's crazy to me. You want some amazing so cinematography? Bridge yes. of Spies was just drop dead gorgeous. Yeah. Um. Okay, I'm gonna give my my personal favorite that I don't think gets enough credit anymore. And then I'm going to give one that was fairly big when it came out, but I think everyone's kind of forgotten about it. Mm. Um, I'm going to go with uh, my first one is uh, color purple. Okay. Cause the color purple is just a gorgeous film. Like not just visually, everything about it is just, it feels right. feels true, but it also has a scene that is the best edited scene in any movie ever um when she's shaving mister and it's cross-cutting between that and uh suge racing to her and then her kids going through um their uh their like uh, coming of age ritual in in africa it's the greatest edited scene of all time like it is it's tense, it's harrowing, it's lovely, it's, it's just the best. And then one that I think people have forgotten about 
which I think is probably the second best sci-fi film of the of this whole century. Mm-hmm. Minority Report. Yeah. Minority Report is it's breathtaking how good it is. And yeah, that that one doesn't give get its credit enough anymore. But we'll talk about movies like that coming up. That third act kind of drifts other than that. One more thing. Oh, okay. You know what the funny thing about the third act? Yes. Um, there was a line cut from the end of the movie that completely re- recontextualizes the third act. Oh, yeah. I remember this now. The yeah. very last line was cut, like, right before release, where, you know, they're doing the narration about, like, everyone got their way, everybody lived a perfect life, and then they had a line where it was, and the next year, there are, like, 77 murders in Washington, D.C., and you're like, oh. Mm-hmm. And you also have to there's a little bit of question on whether or not that third act is even real. That's true. Because they say when you go into that hollow sleep, you know, uh, you have your, your best fantasies. And don't I know it. Right. So, you know, I've always read the third act that way where you can read it as kind of like a a total recall moment, you know, is is he asleep or not? Yeah. But also um, the, the ending, it's like, okay, these four people are really happy. But what about all these murders they have sure. stopped? Sure, right. Exactly. Yeah. It's tough. Morality and such things. Hey, buddy, did you know we're going to play this little game called Did You Know Right Now? Taylor Sheridan has eight shows in freaking production right now. This is the craziest thing ever. Did anybody think that he would be the next Shonda Rhimes? He has show. Oh, first of all, you know what? I'm going to skip everything else. I'm going to pitch you a show that I don't think that you know about. Sylvester Stallone stars in an ex-mob guy that has to move to a, a small town somewhere after he has to leave his old place and set up a new situation. Oh, Casey mob stuff. It's going to be so much fun. We're talking uh, 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 Copland kind of stuff, which I, I ride or die for Copland. I don't care what anybody else says out there. Uh, oh, Copland's great. One of my favorite Stallone's movies ever. But anyways, the Wait, whole is, point of that was. Who, who did Copland? Was that? Um... Oh, I should know this because all I can think is Sydney Lamette right now. And I know it wasn't Sydney Lamette. Here, I'm going to go over the IMDb. Oh, it, my. What, 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 wasn't that the guy that directed Logan? Gee. And um, the, the remake of uh, Yuma. That was Mar- Marigold, James Marigold. Yeah. Uh, yep, James Mangold. Yep, yeah. Mangold. Huh. Yeah, yeah, that guy. I hated his version of Pretend Humor. That guy's well. great. Eight movie, eight shows of production. How do you? How does one do that? I don't even understand. He's got um, uh, so Yellowstone, eighteen eighty three, nineteen thirty six. I don't remember the name of the Stallone one right now. He's got another one about the original character of the Lone Ranger, who was actually a black dude in the West that did all those things. And he's got an A-list guy doing that that I can't think of right now. It's just, it blows my mind. Paramount threw a whole bunch of money at him and said, you go, and he's going. So, Well, why not? Make hay while the sun shines, right? I mean, I don't. uh, first of all, he must obviously not sleep. Uh, That's going to be the one difference between me and him. If you're operating off of four hours of sleep, you got four more hours in the day that I do because all this takes at least eight hours of sleep. Well, I wonder how much of this, um, like maybe he had uh, stuff already kind of broken and, you know, ready to go. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it definitely could have been. He's been in the industry for a while, started out oh. as an actor and kind of moved up. I guess probably my the one question I'm really curious about and see what you have to say, is he able to do this 
because that's a niche market. It's a big niche market, but it's a niche market that had just been completely disregarded over the last 10 years, uh, that Western ideals of things. Is that, do you think that that's why he was able to, to do all these things? Um, you know, I don't know, man. Uh, I think there, there definitely was, um, I mean, there is a reason why Westerns were so popular for so long, yeah, right? For sure. And every so often, a Western comes along and just kind of hooks people. Um, about, you know, 15 years ago, it was, uh, what was that one on um, on HBO? Deadwood. Deadwood, yeah. And it seems like this is just that one for the time, right? Like, this is the one that lucked out, you know? Um, I mean, he's super talented. Like, I've loved everything. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, so. No, but what I mean is, like, there's always one that, you know, just kind of seems to be um, that decade's obsession, yeah. right? And then it kind of goes away for a little that. bit. Right, right. And I think that's what this might be. As in, um, you know, it was about that time and it hit. And if he can keep churning out good stuff, then all right, let's do it. Yeah, I, I, I've got nothing but love for him. He is my God right now. That's who I... Uh, dream to be except eight is too much give me four shows and i'll be happy that's all I'm yeah for. just four let's get into our topics of the day one of the topics that you wanted to talk about and i think was a good time to address this since i'm really high right now is the death of the stoner comedy this is something that was at its apex when we were younger. Actually, uh, okay, let's start there. When was the stoner comedy apex? Was it Cheech and Chong? Was it no, something that, that started it off it the nineties? But it still could have been the apex. Uh well, no, be, because I mean, let's not forget you made they, they made a what was it three Harold and Kumar movies? Yeah, that's true. You know. Yep. Yeah. And, exactly. And I think the second one's probably the best one. Um, I I don't know. It seems like there's there's one that comes around like every like six or seven years. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I just think it's funny that they went away. Um, and I, I don't know why they did, except for the fact that, you know, um, comedies aren't really made that much anymore, but, you know, I'm also surprised that there isn't like a, there isn't a stoner comedy show on Netflix or something, you know, cause it seems like that's the perfect way to binge watch. Yeah. You know, where's Seth Rogen at with this? Uh, I guess he does his. Well, graphic novel stuff, and that's what he would say would be that. That's the thing, you know. He's got his his weed company, mm-hmm. you know, um, and, but it seems like he's kind of moved away from those kinds of comedies a little bit. Yeah, and he's I don't want to say he's doing more legitimate stuff, but you know, when you're producing and starring in Pam and Tommy, right? You know, um, or was it uh, that American Pickle or whatever? Oh that you, you yeah, that was on know? HBO. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, it seems like he's more interested in doing stuff like that. And I don't know if it's just an age thing or the fact that he saw the writing on the wall with uh, um, those kinds of comedies just fading away. I'm sure we might see them again, but I mean, it's been a while. Like, what was the last one? Pineapple Express? Pineapple Express would be, yeah. That, would that was what, like 2010 before that? It has been a while. Yeah. And it's definitely been a yeah. while. I think that I, I think that's something you brought up as well. So I just wanted to kind of talk about the idea yeah. that because stoner or because marijuana is legal now more than it was before, and you know, some of that stigmatism has gone away, 
that maybe that has impacted the way that we kind of see things and, and view things. Though I don't think that that should take away from people making center comedies. But at the same time, there's a, a little bit less taboo, I guess, on it now than there was before. Yeah, it's hard to, I think it's harder to make a, a movie based all around it when now you can just get a quick little joke in a show about like, you know, grandma going down to the, to the dispensary, right. you know? And I think it might, and I think we might've traded in, you know, one big joke for hundreds of tiny ones. Did you ever watch that show on Netflix with Kathy Bates where she ran a weed shop? No, my sister didn't. She loved it, but it was really, really funny. Um, so you can still do stuff like that. The nineties had to have been the apex of, of stoner commies. As far as I'm concerned, you have uh, half baked, you have grandma's boy, I think is very uh, slept upon. That was like 2009, though, right? 2008 is, is my timeline yeah. way off on that. Yeah. God dang it! Let's go to the old stoner board. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of thinking it's the early 2000s because you had stuff like Grandma's Boy. You had stuff like uh, How High. That was 2001. Yeah, uh, Harold and Kumar, which I think was like 2003. Um, so I think it might have been the early early 2000s that were the apex super troopers also oh yeah 2001 and even they didn't follow up beer fest with weed fest right and i like i like beer fest a lot i think that's a very funny movie and i would love to see a weed fest but we never got it well i think we got slamming salmon that was such a terrible i there there, i liked there's like half of slamming salmon i really liked they're not uh, Fairly Brothers level for me of just can't watch their comedies anymore, but they're getting there. Uh, they, they, they're, they're treading on thin ice with me as far as I'm. I gave up on Kevin Smith a while ago as well, but, you know, yeah. I think he always had a good stoner comedy in there every now and again. You know, 2001 would have been strike back. So. Well, well, see, the funny thing is, I think that as he's gotten into weed, there's less and less weed humor in his stuff, mm. which I think kind of plays into my original thesis that what made part of what made stoner comedy so fun is that it's this little naughty thing that we're all part of, you know, and now it's accepted. So not that funny anymore. Yeah. 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 It, it, it takes, it takes the sting away, I guess, as it were. Do you have a uh, Mount Rushmore of stoner comedies that, um, that for you are the best? I can kind of, I can try to remember some of the really good ones from the early 2000s because like they made that road movie with Rip Torn. That was a stoner movie. Do you remember that flick at all? I like, don't, I don't. Okay. Um, a, a half baked would have to be on there. Um, just for that one screening where I thought we would never get the smell out of my car. Oh yes, that was a that was a good 420. Oh man, man, that yeah, that one was good. Uh, I, I would definitely put Harold and Kumar two on there. Okay. Um, okay. I like the second one better than the first one. Um, I've never seen How High, so it's fun. I don't know if it would make my list. Now, now, do we do we consider Lebowski to be one? I because if do. so, that's the Citizen Kane. That that, that one's first because that's Citizen Kane for weed comedies. Again, you're just disrespecting Cheech and Chong here. I feel like that you're giving them. No I have a question. When, when was the last time you watched Nice Dreams? I or Up and Smoke. Up and Smoke, like a year ago. It's it's fairly recently. I, they still show it on TV and stuff, so I guarantee you, people are still watching it. 
maybe. Uh, yeah. Uh, I, 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 I guess I, I think we should put it up there just for um, how it kind of created that culture a bit. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if we have that without that. Rolling Kansas is the movie I was talking about with Rip Torn. It was oh, yeah, actually yeah. directed and written by Thomas Hayden Church. Didn't even realize that. What? Yeah. Yeah. I say go watch that. That's the middle of the show. Go watch that. Yeah. Stoner comedies. I miss them. I still got a few in my back pocket. Maybe one day we'll get there. I'm taking a time travel trip with you back to 1980. The Oscars of that year. The first question you asked whenever I brought this topic up was, do you mean the year 1980 or the movies from 1979 for the Oscars of the 80s? It's a good question. question. Very good question. So these are the movies from 1979. That won Oscars in 1980. For me, this is a very interesting year in movies. There were the heaviest of heavy hitters still active in the acting categories, uh, directors. You got the beginning of Oliver Stone. So much stuff happened this year in the Oscars. So I just wanted to talk a little bit about it. And right off the top, I can't get over the fact that the number one movie from that year was a movie called Kramer versus Kramer about a divorce. This movie is not uplifting. There's nothing fun about this movie, but this was what we were watching that year in the movies. First of all, first take, uh, have you ever seen Kramer and Kramer Kramer versus Kramer? Uh, Parts, not the whole thing, but I've seen parts of it. Very much in the zeitgeist. We're all kind of aware of it if if we haven't all seen the whole thing. We've caught clips on Turner Classic as we're doing something else. For sure, for sure. And I just, what kind of world were we living in that this this movie was the number one? It's just crazy to me, uh, the box office numbers on this movie about a divorce. And, you know, kudos to those actors in there that, you know, I mean, that's a plus yeah. people. I hear that Dustin Hoffman was not the greatest person in the world on set for this movie. No surprise there. He when has he ever been? Oh, uh, never, probably. That's the, the word around the Christmas tree is never. Uh, and uh, what was that? Glenn Close? Or no. Um, Jesus Christ, I called it Glenn Close. I am so sorry, man. Now I want to make sure that we get everything right. Is there any takeaways from what you can say about America 1979 that that was the number one movie at the time? um confused okay um i i think that we were still trying to figure out who we were after um watergate mm-hmm. and uh you can definitely see a shifting change t- towards uh, a little more conservative bend you know like you know because i mean we got reagan in 80 right. yeah you know um because I think almost any other year, something like uh, Apocalypse Now or All That Jazz would walk away. Perfect. Next point. How did Apocalypse Now not win? It's insane right. to, as well that there were so many heavy hitters that were coming at the time that Apocalypse Now did not win, which is just absurd. Well, you know, it's kind of like I wasn't a big fan of the latest Mission Impossible, like in terms of, you know, script and some people's performances, you know. Like it was well, fine. we can both admit that the coolest gift in the world is him loading his arms to get ready to fight. That's good stuff. No, see, what ha- the way I saw that was <laughs> uh, his uh, shirt was getting like tight and he was yeah. just loosening it up. But anyway, um, <laughs> but even I think that that guy should have gotten best director because I can't imagine having to direct one of those sequences, let alone an entire film 
filled with the craziest stuff you've ever seen. Yep. The fact that that guy kept that, because when you're talking about a director, you're not just talking about um, someone who tells the cinematography what he wants and you know gets a really cool image. You're not just talking about someone who's working with the actors to get an amazing performance. You're talking about someone who's directing the production and making sure you know like you know you have your ad's and everything but at the end of the day it's up to the director to basically keep the ship going yep that's that's teddy sorry he's it's time for him to eat um but i i honestly think that something the scale of apocalypse now and like i i texted you when i you know was first talking about this um you know he had to deal with stuff like, hey, my lead actor had a heart attack and we have to hide it so the movie doesn't get shut down. And also, hey, a guy I hired to play our villain showed up to set 100 pounds overweight. Also, um, when I talked to the military and said, hey, I need some prop bodies for this scene. They're like, no, don't worry about it. We got it for you. And then they showed up with the bodies of dead freedom fighters. You know, like he had to keep the the movie going. Yep. With all that happening, he deserves a special award. <laughs> yeah, he like does. He deserves best. He deserves best director and like, like the good job, you big boy. <laughs> you know, mm. like it's it's ridiculous that he didn't get it. Different time back then, but I, I you know, do you think it was because he had come off of like his? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Right. Because yeah. didn't he have double wins for those? I believe so. Yeah. I mean, yeah. blame the Godfather for Apocalypse Now. Uh, have you seen all that jazz? Yes. That's the Bob Fosse movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm hmm. Yep. Which means I did not watch that. Norma Ray actually looks pretty good. I watched the trailer last night starring Sally Fields. She's breaking a union, I believe. Uh, she's a, a working woman doing that kind of stuff. It looked really good. I am always a sucker for that kind of stuff. Midnight Express won for Best Screenplay. That's where Oliver Stone comes in. That was uh, his first Oscar uh, win really? for that. And um, so that was exciting. And Kermit played the songs from the Muppet movie at the Oscars themselves. Mm. So it was a fun year. I wish we could have something fun like Oscar or uh, Kermit at our, our Oscars this year. But, you know, they won't do that because they can't think outside the box. Well, the you, well, I mean, we're, we've gotten to the point to where they're not they're not really going to broadcast anything except for best picture, best song and best actors. Mm. Yep. Yeah. That was a, like that, that, the fact costuming, they're not going to broadcast sound. They're not going to broadcast. And the one that's the dagger in my heart, best editing. Editing is insanity. It is the only part of filmmaking that is unique to filmmaking. It lets you, rearrange space and time you can't do that anywhere else any other art form no. it is completely unique and it's the one they're glossing over it is the most important part so weird i did want to before we leave this topic read you the best actor nominations that year dustin hoffman jack lemon al pacino roy scheider and peter sellers what a murderer's row. I love Jack Lemmon. I'll say that's that's probably my favorite in that list. The China Syndrome. Yeah. yeah. Can't hate on that. 
everybody said that this was Roy Scheider's best performance and all that jazz. I don't know. And um, I am on record as not being a Peter Sellers fan. So it doesn't really matter what he's doing. I, I'm, I'm really not either. Um, and I don't know what I call Roy Scheider's best. I mean, all that jazz is good, but I mean, Jaws is excellent. Yeah. All right, on to something that you brought up this week, and I liked, so we shall talk about it on the show. We wanted to talk a little bit about hated movies. Those movies that were uh, initially panned, disliked, yelled about, and given low ratings. But upon further review, we realized we're all idiots in the moment, and sometimes we miss movies, and we miss what movies are saying to us. Perfect example is every Stanley Kubrick movie ever put out into the theater. Um, but it takes start. it takes like 15 years for people to like them. I mean, that seems like an obvious one. It's because we just don't understand it because we're too simple. It takes us a while to be able yeah. to really gather what Kubrick is telling us. So I think that's happening. Dude, Eyes Wide Shut went from being considered the worst thing he ever did to like this year as everyone on Twitter was like, oh, that's my go-to Christmas movie. It's the right. best. Yeah. Like, and it did that in like, like about two and a half years ago. Like it, everyone just did a 180 on it. And join the people that have loved it since get-go. Man, that is top five best movie experience yeah. of my entire life. That was one of those moments where I sat in the parking lot for 20 minutes afterwards with my friend that I watched it with, and we were just like, what the fuck just happened? We're different <laughs> people now. It's uh, It was before Eyes Wide Shut and after Eyes Wide Shut for us. For, for me, it was another 1999 movie. Um, Eyes Wide Shut was kind of like that, but for me, it was Magnolia. Mm magnolia i i remember walking to the car just going like yeah okay um i didn't know movies could do this yeah i did All not right. get to see that in the theater i saw that on Ooh. double vhs tape that's a shame uh, it was a still great experience whenever i first saw it don't get me wrong i was locked off into my room it was just me um and um right I, but putting that it's... second videotape in that's quite the experience i was like flipping over the laser disc same thing i hear what you're saying though i wish yeah. i would watch the theater what other uh, films on this list I've made a big list for? Some of them we talked about before that may not even make it on the list. They were more just uh, not successful because of exposure or different kind of things. Did we want to start with our greatest movie, Last Action Hero? Man, people were so mean to this movie when it first came out. Yeah, so I was watching it the other day. And I was thinking about it. And there, there are a couple of things that I noticed. One, yes. Talk to me. Can this just be a last action hero podcast now? Uh, I, I, there's enough there to do it. <laughs> I, love that. Um, I, I think the movie was misunderstood a bit, but also I think part of it's the movie's fault because the action movie that it makes fun of, mm -hmm. right? First of all, you're in that world for like an hour and a half. It's like an hour and 20 minutes, which is the length of a movie. Right. So you're there a little too long, I think. If you left the movie like halfway through and you had more fish out of water, I think that would have helped the movie. Also, and it's kind of like um, you've seen Tropic Thunder. Right? I have indeed, yes. I think one of the problems with Tropic Thunder, and I love that movie, is that it's too good and too slick and it looks too big budget, mm. Right. And I think maybe if the fake movie stuff looked like that and then the rest had a different visual style, I think some of the um, performances would be a little heightened. 
but right now it has the same look as one of those war movies. So there's a little bit of a discongru, like a little bit of an incongruity to it, right? I got you, yeah. And I think that's kind of what happened with um, Last Action Hero. I didn't think they went far enough with how goofy the action movies were. And it seemed just like a regular action movie from Joel Silver. Mm -hmm. And I think that was to its detriment because I don't think it made the satire clear enough. Uh, Okay. You know, and on top of that, I think if they had had a a person like Jonathan Brandis instead of that kid, um, yeah, there would have been a warmer reaction. Do you think that that, that, that's that's like probably uh, besides Kubrick, that that's probably the best like overhated like we didn't get it at the time kind of movie do you think people were just a little um also miffed at schwarzenegger that he would make all these big budgets and he comes and then throws it back in your face i feel like that that was part of the news cycle at the time i mean i'm not saying that it's a legitimate argument but i feel like that people were a little offended by that idea like oh you're gonna go play one side and then you're gonna play the other i feel like there was there was some stupid news about that the other director that I feel like that always gets passed by until two years later is Mike Judge. Yeah, absolutely. Every time he puts out something, every time sleep every single time. Um well it's also not usually his fault. No, it rarely is. He uh he just there's situations sometimes and poor Mike Judge just ends up in, in every one of them. Well my wife and I were actually lucky enough to be like one of the few people to see idiocracy in the theater. I was there. I saw it. Did you see it at the Arclight? No, 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 no. I was in Dallas, I think. So I saw it somewhere in Dallas. Yeah, we saw it in its original release at the Arclight when like there was no press for it. We just, we had like some time in the afternoon and we're like, oh, let's go see a movie. And we had gone to see whatever. And I saw Idiocracy. I'm like, oh man, I heard about this years ago. Back Mm -hmm. it was called America. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) It's like, oh, we got to go see this. And for years, we would tell people about it and they would look at us like we were crazy because like no one heard of this thing. Um, and I, there, he did another one that I think is actually pretty good that everybody has slept on still um, extract. I think extract is I love great. Extract. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> the, um, the sweatpants at bedtime as she's, that is so funny. <laughs> um, but like, but his TV shows aren't slept on, which is the funny thing. Like his exactly. TV shows yep. are instant hits. Yep. Um, you had Beavis and Butthead, which changed everything. Mm-hmm. King of the Hill, which like ran for 13 years and was immediately successful. And then Silicon Valley. Yep. But yet every time he releases a movie, it's incredible. And everyone like no one goes to see it. It's it's it's, it's weird. And then live their lives by it. Yeah. Afterwards. Yeah. People people are going more insane about idiocracy probably now. Than they were uh, five years ago and, you know, 10 years ago. It's crazy. They, 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 they released Brondo like eight years ago um, because it had gotten so popular, which, you know, the movie came out like 15 years ago. Right. Exactly. Yeah. It is crazy to me. Here's one I'm going to stand by that I may not get a lot of support, but I'm okay with that because I'll be out on a bridge alone with the Wachowskis is Speed Racer. I saw Speed Racer in the theater and not unlike in certain ways that the Matrix did, I thought that they did something visually in this movie that was beyond anything that anybody else was doing except that guy that did the fall in the cell. 
that guy is always so far out there and he has such a visual style that like he's always just the best his movies aren't great but those things are the best and i that's what i thought about speed racer i'm not an anime fan but i felt like that this was top-notch visual representation of that in film and i and 14 other people saw that movie when it first came out i thought that that was very disrespectful uh to them as a film and the history of speed racer i think it goes well with the history of speed racer i wasn't a huge speed racer fan when i was younger but i understand the concept and what's going on there and that was one that just uh i think people have it's it's definitely grown on people oh no no younger people especially saw it i think a lot on hbo and on dvd because that Mm -hmm. thing was that dvd was everywhere and it was cheap um i think it is a perfect representation of the show and I think that's part of the problem is that I don't think people were ready for that because um, we've still had trouble um, taking anime and manga to live action and having people dig it. Yep. Like um, Ghost in the Shell, even though I think the production design and uh, cinematography are gorgeous, nobody saw. Um, uh, was it Ban- Battle Angel Alita or whatever? Mm-hmm. That thing is fantastic. And it'll never get a sequel, but it's great. Um, and this was the first one, you know. Um, I also think part of the problem is not enough Americans are familiar with Speed Racer. Okay. I think they kind of know the concept, but I don't think anyone's act- most people have sat down and watched a whole episode, right? Um, was it on Nickelodeon when we were younger? I've, I've debated back and forth. I, I don't think I don't think it was. No. And you add to that the fact that you have people doing perf- giving performances that are cartoonish yep. meant to be but it's kind of weird watching christina ricci not be christina ricci <laughs> sure yeah, yeah yeah. you know um that said um i think matthew fox is awesome in it that is matthew fox right as racer x uh, yes yes yeah. indeedy Emil he's hirsch great speed racer john Emil hirsch is the dad I think everybody in it is doing what they should do, but I can understand why people don't like it. And honestly, I think a lot of it is just the fact that it's a little long. Like if it were 80 minutes, it might be easier to take, especially with such a, an extreme visual style. Yeah. You know, it's like candy's nice, but you don't want to have it for every meal, <laughs> you know, mm. like you hey, just, just get too sweet. In the theater, it popped so good. I, I think it was at North Park when I watched it, so it was one of those premium theaters. And How high were you? Well, I'm equally well, high as there, I was, there. Yeah. You, there you go. <laughs> I think that I think that I think that that's part of the problem is that it's, um, it's a little much, hmm. right? Yeah. But it's perfect if you're a kid, if you're inebriated, something like that, right? But for like the average adult to sit down and watch it, they're going to go, "What the fuck is this?" and then just turn it off. And that's why I love my friends, Tony and Caitlin, because they came to my house. <laughs> uh, they watched half of it, and then we had to go do something. They're like, I can't believe that you turned that off. I was like, sorry about that. So I sent them the Blu-ray so they could watch it Aww. on their own. So uh, I'm very thoughtful that way. How about a movie that was so baffling to the audience when it first came out? It had to take a while before it ever caught on. And that's Blade Runner, the original Blade Runner 19. Yeah. Whatever. Was it 84? Did I get this right? 82. Oh, I failed again with time periods. Oh well. No, no it's 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 from the greatest sci-fi year of all time. Yes, yes. 1982 had like all the sci-fi. 
unbelievable that people got spoiled with that kind of stuff but they didn't understand blade runner blade runner did not make sense to people well it's because sci-fi like and i've i've had this argument with people before sci-fi fantasy or fantasy sci-fi horror sci-fi does well but straight up science fiction never does well yeah it never does well in the theater ever ever like i think the highest grossing star trek movie before the 2009 one was like 300 million dollars which you know for the 80s is really good but it's not pulling in star wars numbers right you know um no no hardcore sci-fi never does well nerds bunch of nerds out there donnie darko also falls into that category as well people just uh didn't get that whenever it first came out but then they eventually came around me and uh richard kelly talked about this whenever uh we spent time together which is to say i went to a q a where he was at and I asked him a question <laughs> and um yeah so he's we're best friends is basically what i'm saying now but it was uh it was the same kind of thing as blade runner what yeah i asked i i have i don't know you know what Let's just take a moment to talk about Clue, just because I adore that film. How did anybody miss this movie whenever it first came out? How could you not love this movie upon immediate watch? Okay, here's kind of the problem. I think that maybe um, kept some people away. First of all, it's based off of a board game. And people were like, well, that's (laughs) stupid. Second, okay, this was done at a time really before multiplexes were a thing. Mm Mm-hmm or they were first just starting to come around. So what they did was they would ship different endings. Love it. Love that idea. Right. But I think something that unique was also a little confusing to people. People are simple. Yes. I hear you. I hear what you're saying. Um, Because I mean, you're going to get frustrated if you say, wait, that's not the actual end. Someone else had a different ending. What? And that's going to get around. And then people are going to, oh, I'll wait. And I think that that's the, the perfect circle circular motion that we're going to bring this back to that the idea that most of these kind of became a thing because of tv they became shows that were ran over and over on tv and we inevitably had to watch them and then we go oh, okay these are good clue is a perfect example is on tv all the time and that's what we don't have anymore we don't have that outlet to be able to bring some of these movies back there's no secondary consistent market to be able to bring those things together well yeah it's like I, I remember picking up stuff in the in the um in you know two day video or at a Albertsons or something you know yep. just because the 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 art looked cool mm-hmm. and you'd always have the new stuff right up front but like I went to go watch the latest episode of um <clears throat> what was it uh, uh raised by wolves or something mm-hmm. the other day and it wasn't on it was nowhere on the front page of uh hbo max and it's like when they're not even showing you their new stuff like how are you supposed to find anything without knowing that it exists yep and also there's just so much that you can't watch everything now you know we need everybody's own personal curator yeah but then the problem with that is the algorithm only throws you that stuff and you never get new stuff and it's just a stupid cycle during these computers man Bring back blockbusters, what I'm saying, so I can walk through the aisles and look at all the box covers and read some log lines. I'll miss those days. I've got a feeling the they're going to be more boutique stores popping up fairly soon. I hope so. And also, 
we will have a Mad Men Movies podcast boutique coming to a store near you, <laughs> maybe at North Park, maybe at Big Town. Who knows? Audio cassette. We'll find out. There you go. We'll put it on uh, 8-track. And you can play it in your fancy machines. Matt, we've come to the end of the episode for today. I think it's another perfect episode, if I do say so myself. Maud would be proud. Look at that. I brought it all the way back to the beginning. I'm an idiot, but I'm not that big of an idiot. So I say this is the time of the show where we always give the people something to watch in the week ahead. Something that you've enjoyed recently that you want to share with the people. So I ask you, what shall you share? Um. <laughs> Oh, we got a chimer in her. Okay. Hold on. Sorry. Uh, okay, say that again. I wanted to know what shall you give to the people this week to watch? What have you enjoyed? What have you seen recently? What do you think about the world? I'm going to say um, try Hellbender. It is a little movie on shutter about witches and it is very good um it's not fantastic it's not as good as the witch but it's good uh i i gave it three stars which for me is like yeah not bad watch that or or wait for that black and white version of nightmare alley because my god we are talking about that movie missing something and i think that could very well be it as silly as it seems I think they're playing that at uh, Tarantino's Theater this week. So sadly, I'm not in L.A. to do that. But if you're out there, enjoy that. I'm going to give you a left fielder because I went to left field since I've seen you last. I saw Parenthood, the Steve Martin movie from whatever year that that was. I enjoyed that movie. 89 or 90. I'm not going to lie. That movie was fun. It's fascinating to me that it's a movie about the lowest of low stakes. Like there's not a lot that's happening other than being a parent and, you know, how you have to deal with all those kind of things. But there was such a, a, a realness in there, which is also fascinating because Steve Martin didn't have kids. So he was like 65 or whatever. Um, it was it was really, really funny. Everybody in it was really great. Uh, what a spectacular performance by Keanu Reeves as well. Man, he just uh, he really showed out in that movie. I enjoyed it a lot. So Parenthood. 1989 is my recommendation for the people it's online you can find it where you know wherever movies are stolen <laughs> anything left to say to the people before we go today see you <laughs>